from SavannahNow.com. This is the Commute Podcast. If Governor Brian Kemp is the scapegoat for Georgia turning blue in the 2020 election, Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger is the villain. His standing up for Georgia's election integrity in the face of direct pressure by then-President Donald Trump, remember that phone call about finding votes? Well, that made Raffensperger a Republican pariah. Raffensperger joins today's episode of the Commute Podcast to discuss Trump and the big lie and how the saga has led to an odd turn in the Secretary of State's political career. Today is Tuesday, February the 15th, and this is the Commute Podcast presented by National Office Systems. I'm Adam Van Bremer, opinion editor at the Savannah Morning News and the host of this twice-weekly podcast focused on news and happenings in and around Savannah. I'll be handing over the interviewing duties today to my colleague, Will Peebles, who recently talked with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. All that comes your way after an ad read for the Commute's presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. I'm working at home today, and that means I'm missing out on the comfort allotted by our office's outfitter, National Office Systems. Owner Scott Center and his team are Savannah's experts in office design and outfitting. They work with top quality suppliers, such as Dirt Modular Interiors and Herman Miller Office Furniture, to create comfortable and productive workspaces. Learn more by visiting www.natoffsys.com. That's www.natoffsys.com. Now, here's Will Peebles with Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. It's, it's, it's interesting to me that we're still talking about that, you know, like when you talk to Republican voters and, and, and I, I do have to remind like the listeners, you are campaigning right now, you're running for secretary oh, yes. of state again, yeah. of course, but um, when you're talking to those Republican voters, is that still the, the main point of contention is the 2020 presidential election? Unfortunately, it is because people are looking backwards instead of looking forward. You know, what is our vision? What are we for? And we need to have a positive aspirational message. That probably one of the greatest uh, aspirational leaders we had in the last 40 years was Ronald Reagan. Because he said, I have a vision for America. I've got all these people that are supporting this vision. And it was very positive, hopeful. It was about you know, keeping America strong with a strong military. And then also tax reform, cutting taxes so that the middle class can really start moving ahead, deregulating the business environment. And then obviously strong on you know, issues of life and making sure that you know, life was protected from all stages, from, you know, conception on to natural death. And so he just built a huge army, and he ended up winning 49 states. And shows that message, that's a bipartisan message when he went 49 states. Reagan? Yeah, I, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But that was 40 years ago, so we're yeah. looking for the next great leader that has a positive, aspirational message. But here in Georgia, I'm going to continue to stand firm on my integrity to make sure that we have honest and fair elections. So I'm running on the truth, I'm running on integrity, and people I'm running against, they're standing on lies. That's a tough spot to be. Gotcha. No, it's, 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 uh, I guess, I guess it's not. Um, I do want to get into, before we start talking about, um, you know, everything else, I do want to talk about what you're looking for in this session. Um, there's been a few things floated by um, in terms of uh, ways that would reform elections, removal of ballot boxes, and a few other things. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What, what do you think Georgia's voting law needs right now from this session? I think right now we had the Election Integrity Act of 2021, and I think we're in good shape. Georgia just recently was awarded the number one spot. We are recognized in the country as the number one state for election integrity. We beat out Alabama by one point. 
didn't not as big a spread as what it was with the with the Bulldogs over Alabama, but still we'll take our victory. Bulldogs will take theirs, and obviously the Braves will take theirs. So we've got the trifecta going on right now in Georgia, and we're really pleased with that being recognized number one for election integrity. Sure, yeah, by the Heritage Foundation again, a, a weirdly a Ronald Reagan thing, uh, a, a conservative think tank. Like, yeah. So conservatives have recognized us as being number one for election integrity. So we're yeah. real proud of that. We make sure we have accessibility. So now we have state-mandated 17 days of early voting. Plus, you can have two additional Sundays for any county that wants to do that. It's 19 days. Whereas in President Biden's home state of Delaware, he's only got 10 days there. And we have no excuse to absentee voting. In Delaware, you have to have an excuse. You have to go get a permission slip from the doctor. Yeah. So we have really balanced that between accessibility and security. And now we have photo ID for absentee balloting, which is something I campaigned back on in 2018. Uh, So you talk a lot about absentee balloting just now um, and the absentee ballot process. um, And there, you know, that's interesting because SB 202 cut the window for absentee ballots pretty significantly. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me here, but it's about half half of the window that it used to be to request an absentee ballot and return it. Um, How does that part of SB 202, which – you seem like you're supporting. I'm not saying it's Yeah, I, I supported that. And the reason I supported that is that what happened with that window being so far open is that people would send in an application early, and then, in effect, they'd get a, uh, an absentee ballot request form from someone else, and they'd forget that they already had sent one in. And so counties would end up getting multiple uh, applications from the same voter. Likewise, at the end, getting closer to Election Day, you could request one right up to the Friday before, and there's no way that the county would even receive your applications. Now it's 11 days out, so the county can receive your application, they can process your application, they can send you your ballot, and then you can return your ballot. So there's plenty of time to do that. So it actually enfranchises voters, and it helps the, the election boards, the election counties, the county and the elections, you know, be able to run their counties, you know, in a street, you know, very smooth and well-run method. How, how commonplace was that? Where I, I'm not, not necessarily specific numbers, but but was it really widespread where people would turn in more? Yeah, the other thing that we banned now is third party groups, which is another issue. What yeah. they were doing was setting up four, five, six, seven, you know, different applications, and people fill out multiple of that. Yeah, and that's one of the things that the county election directors were talking about. We're getting multiple applications from people. People didn't realize that it actually bogged down the system. So now you have to request it, and that is one application per voter. Uh, tight window that'll work well for everyone on both sides of the aisle and we can get those ballots back to you and then you can send them into the county so that we know that you are your ballot and that's now it's going to have photo id which is a very secure way they've been using that in minnesota now for over 10 years that's a democrat state and so this is not a bipartisan or this is a bipartisan it's not a, a blue state red versus red state issue anyone can do it texas followed us we're doing this now minnesota has been doing it for 10 years so you can see, it just makes sense. It's an objective measure. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, uh, and I do want to talk about another issue. I'm not going to ask you who you're going to vote for in the Purdue versus Camp race, but I do want to touch on um, a Purdue uh, brought up issue that, that he's looking for, um, and that is the elections police force, uh, an elections investigation police unit kind of thing. Um, you guys are the agency that's responsible for investigating election fraud claims right now. Right. Um, do you think that that is something that could help, having an EBI, an Election Bureau of Investigation? Well, we, our officers are post-certified. They're law enforcement investigators, and they've been doing this for a while, and they're well-versed at what they do. 
the only challenge that we have is we need a fully funded, you know, investigation division, and that's what we have struggled with during election years. In non-election years, then we also then can use our, you know, our post-certified investigators to also handle, you know, the licensing investigations that we do. We have to do background investigations. Even I'm a licensed structural engineer, but all engineers that are registered in the state of Georgia, you know, have to have, be fingerprinted. Things like that. But uh, also then there's infractions in the nursing you know, professions, you know, you know, unlicensed uh, electrical contractors or plumbers or things like that. And so we use them in these non-election years to really you know, work on that. So at least it's really a more effective way of handling it because elections happen every two years and every four years is, is a big election. So uh, I, think, I think that's just someone that's looking for something to run on because they don't really have much. Gotcha. Um, so, so, so uh, that's interesting because I—I'll I'll be honest—I didn't know that your election investigators had to be pro-certified. So that makes them—that's full-fledged police officers already. That yeah, kind of already exists. They're, they're packing heat on the side. Yeah. Wow. So that already exists. I—I I, I was ignorant of that. I did not know that. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, yeah. So uh, there is another issue that I want to get into. I read an AJC story yesterday. Um, it's a—it's about a secret report from a guy, a computer science professor at the University of Michigan, who had access to Georgia's voting equipment for 12 weeks. And essentially, uh, what I gathered is that he was tasked to uh, see if you can hack into this, see if you can change votes. And uh, what came out of that was that he could do that. Um, uh, I guess. Um, have you seen this? Have you thought about this? What is what is your reaction to seeing something like that? Because I, I'm curious. Well, it's a secret report. Uh, no one in our office, not even our attorney, has seen that report. So without seeing that report, there's no way for us to really respond to it. Sure. Do, do you want to see that report? Yeah, we would. We've actually yeah. asked for him to release the report. Uh, you know, he's a so-called expert. Then send your information. We'll take a look at it. But until we get it, there's not much we can do about it. And so... Release it. Yeah, gotcha. So, um, yeah, I guess is it essentially what it found, and this is what this is me going off of that AJC story is that it could change the QR code um, of the vote. I'm sure you've seen all this as well, but it could change the QR code of the vote, but the actual written part of it on the printout would read the same as what the voter actually voted for in the ballot. uh, do, do you see this? Like, like, is this a serious issue? Do you believe this? Uh, you know, I know you haven't seen the report, but um, is it, well, the, the judge is legitimate, I guess. No, it's not legitimate. And the reason it's not is that the judge required the vendor Dominion to give this person all of their uh, hashtags and double authentication values so that he had full access. In other words, they just didn't say, here's a piece of equipment, knock yourself out, buddy. They actually gave him the backdoor uh, you know, passwords, something that no one would ever have and no one would ever have the time frame. But like I said, you know, let, let's have this so-called expert you know, send out his report. You know, if you want to go make hay with the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, which obviously is showing their political bias, then send us the report. But not a single person in our office, not our general counsel, no one has seen this report. And so until that happens, we really can't, you know, see this so-called expert's report. Well, well it makes sense why the report wouldn't go out, right? Because it's, it's Well, then it's, how do you really find out what it's all about? That's no, why that's it's a load of buffalo. It's a load of buffalo, and I don't appreciate it, uh, AJC putting that out. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I don't know. It makes sense because if it's out there, it's a guide on how to hack a Georgia voting election, a Georgia's election system. I, I, I now, we did a 100% hand recount. Yeah. Then that when we verified that every vote was counted correctly because the 
machine count and the hand recount were virtually the same. And at the end of the day, what we found out is that President Trump came up short because we knew the data and checked out every single allegation that was made. And the reason that President Trump came up short primarily is that 28,000 Georgians skipped the presidential ballot, and yet they voted on all the other races. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, I guess uh, the really the last thing I want to touch on is your actual campaign um, uh, because you're, you are running again. Um, I don't know. You're running as an incumbent this time. How does that, uh, does that feel different for you? Well, I've always been an underdog. Sometimes it looks like I'm one now. You know, we've been, you know, pushing back on these lies. We've been pushing back on Stacey Abrams going back to 2018. Yeah. She said and still hasn't conceded her 2018 loss of 55,000 votes. She said it was due to voter suppression. Then in 2020, they said it was voter fraud. But in both allegations, it was never supported by the truth. But we can't, you know, stop people from being out there with their misinformation, disinformation, falsehood teams. And so they have lots of money, both sides. But we'll continue to stand in the middle, run our race based on integrity. I'm standing on the truth. The people running against me, they're standing on lies. And I'm glad that I'm standing on truth because lies never win. And I don't expect that they will in this one. The truth always does win at the end. Do you think that Republicans in Georgia are – Oh, I don't know. Do you, do you think that they've – after 2020 where you were very much vilified by the sitting president at the time and you know uh, uh, had the famous phone call and everything, do you think that, that Georgia Republicans are going to be able to look past that and vote for you? How do you, how do you fight back against that narrative, I guess? Well – Hey, the Republican Party isn't just one person in a telephone booth. It's it's millions of people, and just like the other party is too. But uh, it's a big, broad-based party, and you know, obviously, there's 28,000 people that skipped the presidential ballot. But there's also people that are like me, uh, solid, you know, principled conservatives. They're out there looking for people that are going to run this office, run it with integrity, to make sure we have honest and fair elections for everyone. That they believe in the spirit of fair play. But you gotta, you got to bring your best, and you got to get your team out there to win the game. And so that's what the Bulldogs did, and that's what we've done. And that's why we're recognized for number one for election integrity here in Georgia. Gotcha. All right. Um, and uh, the new voter registration system, that is that yes. is another thing I want to talk about. I just looked at my list and remembered I didn't ask you about it. Um, what is that? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. Is that, is that well, the – Jarvis will be uh, based on the, you know, the Salesforce backbone uh, with our implementator. And so we'll be implementing a new uh, voter registration system. You know, it's spelled, it looks like GA, but it's pronounced Jarvis. And uh, that'll be state-of-the-art, you know, updated technology, uh, be secure. Uh, we're actually going to have the same security measures that Department of Defense, Department of Homeland Security has, which is FedRAMP. And we're going to make sure we have robust uh, cyber defenses. But also we think that uh, the user interface will be something that everything that the county election directors have been asking for, we're going to incorporate in this upgrade. And uh, it's positioning us for the balance of this decade and really for the next decade to come. So when we talk about this, um, what does this what, – so is this the system that when you go into the voting precinct it, and it's we check it. And yeah. so like my voter page and all that, so we're going to add a few more um, – I don't want to use the term bells and whistles, but a few more uh, really customer-centric, user-centric uh, uh, issues that people have asked for. What about this? What about that? Well, at this time, we can add all that. If we're going to do it, let's get everything you know, in the system that both the voter wants, but also what also our election directors wanted. So we're going to be rolling that out you know, in the middle of March. Ready? So, 
for the uh, primaries that come up on May 24th. Gotcha. So, so this is what uh, was this the thing that caused the issue with the long lines in the primary well, of 2020? Yeah, one of the issues that we have had on early voting, uh, primarily, it's not election day, but on early voting, a lot of people would come to certain precincts at certain mm-hmm. times, and that you'd end up bogging down. And so this system will have a, a more, a lot more capacity. So we think that that'll be helped, you know, mitigated with that. But primarily, it's the uh, back office support that we really will see uh, the biggest improvement is for your counties to be able to run their elections efficiently. And I think that they'll really appreciate that. And so it's really focused on the, the management of the system and also make sure we keep everyone's data safe and secure. Gotcha. So even with the new system, so uh, this is also going to affect the SOS website, right? So yes. uh, yeah, my voter page and all that. It'll be a part of a, a system-wide upgrade. Any, any, so what are some of the, you know, for lack of a better term, bells and whistles? Uh, are we still going to be able to register to vote online? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it'd be the same as you have right now. Um, we love when people actually register uh, through Department of Driver Services because they do a robust citizenship check. But anything you see on my voter page, but we also think on election night, uh, because it'll help the back office that will get, you know, faster results of reporting to the people just because of the system itself, the, the capability that it has. Gotcha. It's interesting that you said that because I hadn't really considered that. Do you think that, it, it, that we could see that go away, um, out of the fear of, uh, you know, non-citizens registering to vote online through that system and not getting as much of a citizenship check as they would at the DDS? Yeah, we, we, we want to make sure that we always affect, I'm the first Secretary of State to run a robust citizenship check. We ran through the entire database. And what we found that many people that, that we had uh, potentially flagged, uh, they actually had become American citizens, but then we had about, you know, a few that we, you know, we still had question marks and we'll be running those down. But we want to make sure that we don't have any people voting and anyone that did happen to get registered years ago before they were tied in with Department of Driver Services, we run that down to make sure that only Americans are voting in our elections. And that's why I asked for a constitutional amendment. Uh, I'm disappointed that didn't pass, you know, through the Senate. Uh, obviously, I think that needs to come back every year because it's something that a majority of Democrats support and majorities in both all demographic part, uh, groups in, in America and in Georgia. So it's very important that only Americans vote. Gotcha. And just one more quick hit question. Um, what are you, what's your temperature on absentee ballot boxes? I think that SB 202, uh, the Election Integrity Act of 2021, struck the right balance. It's one for every 100,000 voters, and they're actually now inside the election office, and the people can drop them off there. And so available during early voting hours. The right balance of convenient and secure, huh? It's safe and secure. Gotcha. Well, Brent, I, I think that's everything I had to ask you, man. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, best of luck out there. Take care. Thanks. Adam back here again. My thanks to Will Peebles and to Secretary of State Raffensperger. Other news of note in Savannah today. Chaos has returned to Port Wentworth. All but one member of the municipality's administrative staff have walked off the job over clashes with the city's notoriously meddling city council. The police chief, Matt Libby, was named the acting city manager on Monday. Elsewhere, public school parents and taxpayers are scratching their heads over a report that Island's high school was selling masks to students instead of giving them out as needed. That was until parents complained about the practice in late January. The Savannah-Chatham County Public School District has received nearly $60 million in COVID-related aid from the federal government, which includes money for PPE, masks, and the school district is also expected to receive another $95 million as part of the American Rescue Plan Act. 
And in sports, Savannah Olympian Oscar Chaplin III died February the 4th at age 41. Chaplin competed for the U.S. weightlifting team in the 2000 and 2004 games. He finished 12th in 2000 and 10th in 2004. Read those stories and more at savannahnow.com, the online home of the Savannah Morning News. Get full access to savannahnow.com and our mobile app for just $1 a month for the next three months. If my math is correct, wait a minute, carry the one. No, that's still just $3 for three months. Go to savannahnow.com, subscribe now, and sign up. One more time at savannahnow.com slash subscribe now. That's all for the Tuesday Commute Podcast. Thanks again to our presenting sponsor, National Office Systems. For more interviews with local newsmakers, check out the Commute archives by searching The Commute with that Savannah Opinion. The Commute returns Thursday when we talk about the return of the Savannah Book Festival. Thanks again for listening. (music) 